Welcome to the Arthroscopy Association's Arthroscopy Journal Podcast. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the Arthroscopy Association or the Arthroscopy Journal. Greetings, this is Rob Hartzler from TSAOG Orthopedics in San Antonio. Today on the podcast, we have the honor of hearing from Dr. Aman Dewan, Associate Professor of Orthopedics at Penn State Health and Penn State College of Medicine. Dr. Dewan is also one of the Associate Editors of Arthroscopy, the Journal of Arthroscopic and Related Surgery. Dr. Dewan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate you having me. Today, we're going to be discussing your article from the September 2019 issue of the journal entitled, The Effect of Psychosocial Factors on Outcomes in Patients with Rotator Cuff Tears, a Systematic Review. Before we start with the heavy-handed questioning, would you like to make any introductory comments about the article? Yeah, I guess, you know, the the idea for the study um, was born out of uh, the uh, 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 loads of uh, data and uh, published studies that come out each and every day um, presented at uh, each and every meeting uh, regarding uh, rotator cuff repair techniques and biologics for healing and other specifics to include physical therapy and such, you know, and I, and I always, uh, you know, tended to feel that there was another element missing in the equation uh, as far as, you know, how patients did and outcomes. Um, and, and I felt in general, you know, really there's not a lot of uh, attention paid to some of the psychosocial factors that I think we all know make a big difference in every surgery we do. So that was kind of the idea behind it, you know, beyond, beyond just the biologics and transosseous equivalent repairs and tissue mobilization and biologics and et cetera, et cetera. You know, what else is going on that potentially is modifiable to try to improve our outcomes? Hypothesize that pre-existing mental illness and psychosocial factors would play a significant role in patient-reported outcomes and perception of pain in patients with rotator cuff disease, including those undergoing surgery. What did you find out about the role of psych- psychosocial factors and outcomes? So, uh, you know, no question, the data, the composite data that we have, and, and again, there's still a lot more, I think, to come in, in the ensuing years, but um, even the composite data that we have now shows a very clear correlation between um, psychosocial factors, depression, anxiety, um, ability to cope, expectations, uh, et cetera, et cetera, with uh, outcomes. And not, not just outcomes from surgery, but even outcomes uh, with the disease itself, specifically rotator cuff disease, uh, and, and who goes on to getting surgery. And I think the study uh, certainly I think spoke to the very clear correlation that this is something that I think uh, solar surgeons need to pay attention to. So that issue of correlation, I think we we all have to, you know, when we find those in the literature, we've got to pause and say, okay, it might be correlated, but what causes what? And, you know, and you guys wrote that it's difficult to ascertain whether the rotator cuff tear is the cause of the preponderance of anxiety and depression or whether it's present prior to it. Thoughts on determining that? Yeah, great question, Rob. I, you know, we can't. Uh, you know, obviously, the granularity of the study that um, we did uh, doesn't give us the ability to determine, uh, you know, the chicken and the egg, if you will. Um, certainly, having a muscle cell 
uh, uh, problem which creates pain and functional limitations in of itself causes uh, uh, anxiety and, and changes in, in emotional state. Um, there have been studies that have shown uh, frank um, demonstrable depression in, in uh, youth athletes with uh, shoulder instability and, and knee injuries. You know, I think no different for rotator cuff disease. And so, you know, sometimes it's a little bit difficult to know which is which, but um, I think, you know, maybe more than anything, um, the study demonstrates that regardless of which one's the chicken and the egg, you know, you got to pay attention to both the chicken and the egg. And uh, um, the idea that they just have a rotator cuff tear and not necessarily a patient that has expectations, anxiety, you know, certain... Um, socioeconomic challenges, um, psychosocial factors that uh, are going to um, uh, influence their outcomes is, is missing part of the part of the equation. So I think regardless of which one is causing what, I think you got to pay attention to both. Right, right. So if um, so, let's say that I want to get into the business of better screening my patients for mental health or psychosocial factors um, that might have a bearing on their outcome. Do you have any sec suggestions for, you know, screening tools or, you know, if you do this in your practice at all, any, you know, any tips on doing that? So we haven't incorporated a formal um, uh, screening tool as of yet. We're, um, uh, a few of us are discussing potentially adding what's called the hospital anxiety and depression scale, HADS. Which is a fairly simple scale, it's a 21 point um, uh, uh, survey, and it's a single page. It's very easy. It's it's uh, um, check boxes, and you get uh, a total of up to 21 points. And and I think it's a very easy thing to incorporate into practice. And this is what we're considering doing. Um, you know, uh, and certainly there's other uh, potential screening tools. Promise, for instance, has a um, depression um, tool. There are others as well. You know, at, at, at this point, I think more than anything, um, I, I think you need to pay attention to your to your gut and your you know the eye test, if you will. So, I think we all have been in the situation where we have a patient, you know, they failed non-operative management. They're um, they have a uh, a pathology that's potentially surgically amenable and uh and we're you know going through the process of indicating them uh, counseling them for surgery and um, through the process you know we've, we've come to understand that this patient may have some challenges be it you know um, difficulty getting to physical therapy be it depression or untreated anxiety uh, be it um, low expectations, what have you, and I and I think we need to pay attention to those. And I, I think, um, you know, historically, have you ever done anything so, with any of those? I mean, I'm, I'm trying to imagine like what I would do. You know, if I've got, let's say, I've got the patient, they've got a bad rotator cuff tear. You know, they're anxious and depressed, and I maybe I know that from a screening tool, or maybe I've just asked. You know, uh, what? what should we do? I mean, should we send them to counseling? Should we try to manage their expect, you know, should we try to modify their expectations? I mean, do you have, have you gotten any sense about how we should use this information? 
So, you know, our data specifically didn't discuss whether treating their anxiety and depression will change your outcomes, and that is a great um, research question, I think, and certainly one that would be of significant interest going forward. You know, how, how, how much can we modify that risk factor? But I think the short of it is just... And is it really that, a risk factor? Know, I mean, that's one thing that I want, you know, like, is it... Re- so... What here's what I want to know. The worst case scenario is that let's say the patient has significant risk factors, psychosocial, mental risk factors, that they wouldn't improve with surgery because of that. Do we I mean, is there any evidence for that? It seems like they still improve. It's just not as not as much. Is that right? That's correct. So, you know, what you're saying is exactly right. It's not that both cohorts of patients, patients that have um, significant um, uh, uh, psychosocial factors that that may uh, influence negatively their outcomes will still get significant improvement from the treatment. So, you know, I don't, I don't think that, um, you know, we really can appropriately, uh, you know, modify the treatment algorithm. But I do think that just like if you saw a patient had a cardiac risk factor in their past medical history, or if you noted, you know, um, something um, in their family history that um, maybe would be a significant anesthetic risk factor, you would ask to get that evaluated and screened and treated prior to doing an elective shoulder surgery, right? As we all would, mm-hmm, right? And I think this is very similarly in that category. And I think we are getting to a point where, you know, if you have a patient, they have concerns about in terms of their anxiety, in terms of their depression, in terms of certain psychosocial factors. I don't think that um, it's a bad idea. In fact, I think it's a very good idea to have that addressed. And and the first place to start would be with their primary care physician. We routinely send um, preoperative clearances to um, uh, patients' primary care physicians for a whole litany of things that we want to just make sure are appropriately managed, hypertension, diabetes, cardiac disease, and so forth. Why not psychosocial risk factors? Why not depression or anxiety? And I think, you know, we need to start asking ourselves that. I, I think that's something that we've kind of you know, for lack of a better word, poo-pooed over time. That mm-hmm, you know, right. um, those aren't necessarily technical factors that we deal with, or those aren't necessarily rehabilitative um, choices that we need to modify. But these are things that can easily be addressed, just like cardiac risk factors, just like hypertension. You know, if you had a patient that um, came to your office for evaluation and had a rotator cuff tear, but had a blood pressure of 180 over 110 you would ask to get that addressed, right? You know, and I think Absolutely. there's really no yeah. reason why you wouldn't do that for any of these other factors, you know. Have you, so have you I, do you think that you've ever, if, if you've noticed that a patient, let's say, was anxious and depressed, tried to raise their expectations about, about the outcomes of surgery? I mean, is that something, you know, that you think is a possible thing to do? 
<laughs> so because I, I like expectations low for me for my practice. You know, I try to you know I tell people it's going to be you know for rotator cuff surgery like it's going to be the worst surgery in the world. It's forever to get better, and I would like it low. So when I when I read that like you know that patients with anxiety and depression have low expectations, I'm like great, you know, perfect. I'm like, <laughs> that's what I want. <laughs> yeah, I hear what you're saying, but interestingly. Um, expectations is actually not what you would think. So I think we all feel a certain level of anxiety um, as a surgeon treating a patient with expectations that are uh, unachievable. And I think those types of expectations absolutely need to be tempered. There needs to be a lot of counseling and a lot of discussion as far as what the patient can appropriately expect, what the patient, you know, as far as timeline, as far as pain, as far as return to sport or return activities. But it's actually, and this has been shown in study after study after study, and not just for shoulder, this is for a number of different um, uh, disciplines within orthopedics and, and, you know, surgery in general, that actually high expectations is correlated uh, much more closely with better patient-reported outcomes. And so I think as surgeons, it's not that you necessarily want the patient to have low expectations or you don't want them to have high expectations. It's that you don't want them to have unrealistic expectations. And I think those are very different things. I think we all love it when we get that patient that is positive, that um, is well-adjusted, that has a great social and family network to take care of them, that has uh, um, uh, that's motivated, and 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 you know that that patient uh, is going to do well. And, and I think the idea is synergy. You know, you want to take their expectations. You want to make sure they're realistic, but you want to you want to work with that mold them maybe achieve to achieve the outcomes that you want. So it's not that we don't want patients to have high expectations. You do want patients to have high expectations. It's that you want, don't want them to have unrealistic expectations. Those are two very different things, but I think we need to realize that as surgeons. All right, excellent. Any other any other thoughts on this issue? Are you going to keep researching in this area? What do you think? <laughs> well, I mean, this is definitely a very interesting area, and I and I um, uh, definitely have plans to continue researching this area. I think there's a lot of questions that still need to be answered. You know, the big one is. Uh, how modifiable are these risk factors? So, you know, you have a patient with, you know, low preoperative expectations. Can you work with them to change their preoperative expectations or can you work with them to treat their anxiety and depression? And how much does that really change your ability to achieve the kind of patient reported outcomes that you want to? So I think these are questions that still need to be answered. I think these are important questions. You know, but I think they're just as important as all the other things that we love to study, biomechanics of repair techniques, of biologics, of injectables, of physical therapy protocols. And I think we probably just haven't paid enough attention to this, which clearly pays at least as much a factor as some of those others. Well, I'm definitely thinking about, um, you know, in, introducing some kind of screening tool for my, I mean, patients have so much survey fatigue, you know, we ask them a billion questions. Oh, yeah, and do they, for sure. So I hate to add something else, but it seems like it probably would be a good thing to do. Or, or even just like I said, the eye test. I think at the very least, we need to be comfortable acting on that. 
mm-hmm. you know yeah. i think i think we need to be able to feel comfortable saying hey look you know you look like you're kind of you know not doing well everything all right you know family okay so on so forth you know and you can incorporate so if you look at this hospital anxiety and depression scale the questions are super basic so the score mm-hmm, system right. is almost you know it's almost logical it's 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 uh, you know self-explanatory and if you need to incorporate some of these questions into an evaluation with a patient you know without even a formal screening survey you can even have the medical assistant do it or whoever um you know i i think it's just a really easy way to kind of get at some basics uh and, and honestly i think you know patients will be a lot better off for it excellent well thank you so much for coming on the podcast really appreciate it <laughs> my pleasure my pleasure Rob. This article from the September 2019 issue of the journal entitled The Effect of Psychosocial Factors on Outcomes in Patients with Rotator Cuff Tears, a Systematic Review, can be found on the Arthroscopy Journal's website at arthroscopyjournal.org.